748 on the crosstalk on WIZM. Wow, here's Rick Manning from Americans for Limited Government with nothing to say about the impeachment inquiry. <laughs> okay, well that's all there, that's all we have time for. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Hey, Merry Christmas. Thanks for talking with us this morning. Let's change it up just a little bit. Uh, uh, the uh, t- What caught my attention the earlier this week was tariffs on Brazil and Argentina, and then later on on France, uh, because those countries are raising tariffs on the United States. I know that the media doesn't report that part, that uh, when Trump imposes the tariffs, it's it's uh, it's quid pro quo uh, on the other hand i know that most countries just think that uh, that the united states has had a history of taking it uh, this president however doesn't do that yeah i think we we need to look at each instance and um, by the way good morning um we i think we have to look at each instance individually while they might have been announced and uh, around the same time, uh, they are each country. We have a different relationship with each country. Um, Brazil is the one that is most um, significant to me, and Brazil's significant because um, you know I know we've been talking soybeans and China and trade for uh, a year, and I, I never thought I'd end up talking so much about soybeans in my life, but. Um, we've been doing that, and it's, it's China's been using the soybean card as a as a way of punishing America and trying to keep trade uh, the trade imbalance to their favor. And what people don't realize is that China, in the in the meantime, has been buying up the soybean production and the transportation and the shipping and the ports that it's shipped out of. Um, in Brazil, and Brazil is a very prime soybean-raising environment. So what they've been doing is they've been trying to create a client state in in Brazil to be able to ship soybeans from that location to China and replace the U.S. market. That's what they've been working on for years. And there is a – and so there's a, a, a battle here that's going on um, dealing with Brazil and attempting as, as to where Brazil is going to lie in the relation trade relationship between the U.S. and China, and that's a so that that plays into this. Brazil's a, a, a really important player um, in the world. They've got a bigger economy than most people realize, and they are uh, really the dominant economic player um, in South America. So take that into context. And what we've been seeing is that, uh, and so Brazil and Argentina and, and France um, have engaged in conduct which uh, uh, we deem to be problematic. And, and the fact is, a lot of these countries, China uses them as a pass-through. They send their steel to those countries, and then, they, then those countries export that steel to the United States in violation of the uh, allowing China to violate the, the terms of um, of the quotas of how much steel they're supposed to send. And so we put on steel, we put steel uh, tariffs onto those countries um, specifically to try to create, to raise the price of Chinese steel. And because they're not producing steel, they're 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 a reprocessor essentially. They're a, a, re, a wholesaler of Chinese steel coming through to the United States. So that is what's been, what's been done, and it's a good thing. It's, it's smart. 
Um, and But I think the most important aspect of this is the United States needs to have a deal, it's a, some kind of bilateral trade deal with Brazil, um, and we need to get that done um, as soon as possible because Brazil is a critical player on the world stage. And with Bolsonaro, with a new president, Bolsonaro being somebody who's elected in Trump's mode, it is an opportunity for us to change, to rebalance trading um, in a lot of different ways and to really create a problem for China. So that's a so in, in total, uh, when you take all that stuff, we're always going to be pushing back and forth with uh, France. Argentina has wrecked their economy forever. Uh, at least for the next decade, and so they're a relatively small economic player. Brazil's the big player in the game because they are most likely to be the dominant force, economic force, in the next 10 years uh, in South America, and hence that matters to us. Are the, uh, the, the United States and, Fran- and France just pushing tariffs at each other's uh, borders because they they have leaders that are both puffy and occasionally get obnoxious? You're going to raise tariffs on you know, us, I, and the I president think, says, I, I, "So am I." I don't think so. Um, that might be that might seem to be the case, but yeah. the people who are actually making the recommendation on tariffs are are people you and I would, that don't even know in the in the Commerce Department who are looking at different kind of you know things that are happening economically and and unfair advantages that one country might be trying to take over us and making recommendations up through that stream. You almost it, it would you almost never get. Gee whiz, you know, uh, Macron's a pain in the neck. Let's tear of something um, coming out of uh, coming from the top down. It's generally a, a bottom up process based on actions that the, uh, French bureaucrats are probably taking that Macron doesn't even know about. So it's a it's really gets to that level um, in this kind of back and forth. Of course, the top leaders are signing off on it, and, and for for reasons that may or may not, you know, you can try to discern what those reasons are, but um, most of these things bubble up from the bottom and, and end up getting on the president's desk uh, based on actual real actions that have occurred. And, you know, the president gets along fine with Macron like any other world leader, but uh, I will tell you that they, they planted a tree together at the White House last year, and I went to the White House Garden Tour, and the French-U.S. peace tree was dead. So take that as you will, but the tree that they planted together was sitting there dead in the middle of the, the Garden Tour. And so it was a, uh, it may have been symbolic of the, uh, of the once fine relationship that we have with the French, where every time they get in trouble, we bail them out. We have just a minute here, and my notes say, ask about a big announcement. Oh, no, we got a couple of minutes, Mark said. Uh, uh, ask about food stamps. Uh, I, what, what's going on with food stamps? Food stamps, uh, real quick. Uh, the president has put into place a regulation which actually returns to following the law, imagine that, um, and says that if somebody is a single person who is able-bodied, who is between the ages of uh, 18, uh, basically work age, between 18 and 49, um, they are, they have a, a limited, uh, they have to try to get a job. They actually right. have to get a job to maintain food stamp eligibility, and they're not able to be on food stamps for life. They have to go off and be on, they can, they've got like three months and two years that they can be on food stamps. Uh, essentially, this is a, we put into place a, a, a work requirement for food stamps a long time ago as a law. Obama eliminated it. 
Um, and we have the greatest economy that any of us have ever experienced. Um, we still have 35 million people on food stamps, and many of them are, are perfectly eligible, able to work. And it is a, and this is an attempt to make certain that those people, not people who are disabled, not people who are who are old or young, not children, single individuals who are able-bodied and able to work, um, are required to actually try to get a job. And in an economy where we've got a million more jobs than we have uh, people to fill them, it seems like a reasonable requirement to ask people to work under those circumstances. And like I say, 35 million people on food stamps is a lot in in a great economy. And quite honestly, we need those people in the workforce for our economy to grow. Well, it's a win-win. It it is... uh... A lot of people understanding that if the government is willing to hand out, people are willing to lower their own expectations, lower their own bars, so to speak, and try as hard as they can to get comfortable living on the dole. I will live in a government-funded apartment. I will eat government cheese. I will do what the government, what I can afford to do based on what the government will give me because uh, because they said they would, and I accept. So now I don't have a job. I don't have a daycare. I don't have anything, but I got this crummy little apartment. It's okay. I eat government cheese. That's why I'm fat. And uh, anytime a camera comes to my house, House, I get to complain about it, and uh, and it's all Trump's fault. That's going to end. Those stories will end. Well, I, I think what's going to happen is there'll be people complaining about it. They'll lie and say we're trying to deal with children's or children off of food stamps. Not true. Trying to put people on disability off food stamps. That's not true. Trying to put aged people off of food stamps. Not true. Um, because if you really look at it, most Americans believe if you actually are able-bodied and able to do work that you ought to try to get work and uh, you know and the rest of us work so why not you yeah that's the that's what we're aiming at and it's very simple and it is most importantly like this is the law this isn't something made up this is what congress passed as law so this is just restoring the, the actual statutory law that congress passed imagine the concept of actually following the law <laughs> Something that uh, wasn't done uh, to a great degree uh, in previous administrations. Now maybe people will get used to it. It's going to be Trump's fault, but I appreciate the fact that he is trying to restore some semblance of making America great. If you're able, then get a job.